I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello and welcome to the next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. I'm your host, CEO Chuck Sexton, and I am joined today by a good friend of mine. I haven't seen him in quite a while. We've been talking about getting together sometime up near Columbus. It's Kyle Heverin, Director of Energy Services Business Development at South Central Power Company. Thanks for joining me tonight, Kyle. It's actually nighttime when we're recording this. It's it's yes, my birthday. It's, it's my birthday eve. That's why Kyle wanted to do it. Yes, you couldn't have picked a, a better person to spend your birthday eve with. I know. I mean, if you think about it, I'm Kyle and I met at uh, KED. We were we were actually sitting here texting and talking about how uh we met when uh, you were 26 and i was 30 and uh here i am turning 41 yeah my how time flies <laughs> yeah it's pretty crazy uh and all in different positions now you know different paths and uh but still keeping up well how do you like um ohio uh over kentucky is there a is there a preference over the two what what from an economic development standpoint how's it different Man, you want me to sell out on my home state or what? No, I don't want you to sell out. I just you give constructive criticism to either one, I guess. No, it's uh, it's 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 all very similar in my role, you know, in, in the electric utility industry. It's all I know. And, uh, you know, gets uh, you get into the energy intensive loads. Uh, it's it gets very political. So regardless of what state you're in, I think you you know, you kind of face that pressure when you're in my kind of role. And so very similar to Kentucky. Uh, I will say, I think overall as a state, uh, probably not as competitive as Kentucky. Um, but also a lot of other things to offer as far as reliability and uh, all the other things that come with, you know, investing, reinvesting back in your system. There's only kind of it's kind of weird here it was weird for me for a while to adjust that there's only one generation and transmission cooperative here uh in ohio and then you have your your big boys like aep you know your investor-owned utilities yeah duke duke's in ohio as well right duke yeah duke aep and first energy and um you know down in kentucky you have you know, East Kentucky, Big Rivers, you know, is your G&Ts, and then you have LG&E, KU. Um, so it's it's just a little different, um, just 
navigating through that and being kind of the 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 big boy on the system up here <laughs> uh you know we it, we're the 15th largest cooperative uh in the u.s out of like 900 plus and uh in terms of of that like we serve more meters than all of big rivers system total you know the g and t so in kentucky so it's just and then you know it, it drops way down to like a size of like me county recc is the next <laughs> largest electric co-op in ohio so you start having discussions at the table everybody's got uh, a lot different very different perspective than what we have in the state when you're in a lot more dense population area uh with your power company too right you're in the uh, columbus metro yeah, we serve uh, like South Columbus, uh, the Rickenbacker International Airport. Uh, all that has become one of the major logistics hubs of the U.S. And uh, so we serve a very dense area there and then the bedroom communities of South Columbus and then span over all the way to eastern Ohio, uh, all the way to Wheeling, West Virginia, and all the way down to close to Cincinnati, about 45 minutes out uh, to Highland County. And so, yeah, we, we pretty much span from just outside of Cincinnati to Wheeling, West Virginia. You know, it feels like sometimes that um, Central Ohio and Southeast Ohio are, are eventually just going to merge with the Columbus Metro, Cincy Metro, Day uh, Dayton, and, and all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 71. You know, it's pretty crazy uh there's a lot of things going on uh randomly to me you know just from the outside looking in i'm like i see some of the development that's being announced like basically smack dab between cincinnati and columbus and i'm like how the hell are they going to get jobs or people there for those jobs but well you know one of the things that, that that i wonder about that is two two actually from a site selection standpoint um you have you have companies right now who don't want to necessarily be right next to the metro areas. And so what's going to start happening, just what you said on 71 between Cincy and Columbus, companies are going to start trying to fill in those vacant spaces. And, uh, you know, I guess the hope is to draw additional population, but also draw from the, you know, the more rural or small to mid market uh, populations that are there and try to provide additional jobs. Right. And encourage people. And so, you know, what that's going to do is just continue to strain the labor market. And that's happening all over the country. It's not just, you know, in Ohio. But, uh, you know, I worry about, you know, Columbus as a whole, you know, with the big Intel announcements and some other looming announcements I've heard that they're going to have. And, you know, Licking County over there where the where the Intel uh, piece is going is going to really impact, you know, that east side of the metro area. Yeah, it's it's incredible. We serve uh, our service territory just a few miles south of the intel property and uh we're already getting you know inquiries kind of residual effects from from intel's announcement you know and, and developers positioning themselves and like that we view that as kind of a second rickenbacker is what we would call it because you know rickenbacker is just it, it's gangbusters you know where we serve up there and you know, they're building million, million and a half square feet uh, spec buildings, you know, every five months. And I have a dedicated staff just to keep those projects on task to make sure they have power 
uh, because, you know, it's all going up prefab and it's just, it's incredible how fast all that comes together. And we think, you know, south of Intel, that's definitely going to happen there too. Yeah, I would imagine it would. Uh, you know, we partner with a lot of power companies across the U.S. and they're telling us about lead times on transformers. What are you seeing? Huh. Man, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, it. It's kind of funny because it's challenging <laughs> uh, with the RFIs that come through the state because, you know, you want to get our, 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 our normal response, and we still give this response, you know, all, 18 to 24 months. You know, we can meet just about any need, you know, building a new substation, whatever you need. And now we have to kind of build it. We've decided to have a response where we're building in that caveat dependent on material lead times yeah. because uh, we still want to be competitive and our answers never no. it's yes, but you know, there's a yes, but, <laughs> and right now you nailed it. It's the material lead times and you know, we're seeing substation transformers. They could be out 80 weeks which is just insane. I mean, it's almost two years. Yeah. We're, uh, we're in up to 36 months and in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's crazy, but our thing is we, we answered our, we answer our standard response and, uh, build in, uh, you know, some disclaimers and hope for the best. And there's no one, you know, my answer is always, if someone comes back and says someone can do it better, you know, it's like, prove it because we're all in the same boat. I mean, we've had AEP approach us wanting to buy transformers, you know, from us. So they're, they're, I would imagine they're that that's probably happening all over the country is uh, yeah. everybody's looking for loose transformers, just hanging out in a yard somewhere. Hey, I'll buy those right. a little rusty. We'll, we'll clean those up. <laughs> right. It's just, it's crazy. Well, the same thing on the steel side, too. So I'm kind of surprised, you know, with, you know, the million and a half square foot specs, um, you know, even though they're prefab going up every five months because uh, we're hearing steel is out 12 months right now, you know, from a structural standpoint. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, we'll see that slow down. And right now we're just kind of seeing what's been planned ahead of time you know and was ordered already but things aren't slowing down up up in the rickenbacker area it's just it's insane and i don't know it, it it's 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 crazy uh we 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 literally it's it's hard to keep up yeah and it's just become kind of the logistics hub of the midwest you know mm-hmm is that what you're seeing most of right now, logistics based? I mean, you know, you talked about you're getting some inquiries, uh, you know, from developers possibly as well as as projects uh, near the Intel site. But outside of that, what what kind of projects are you all seeing right now? Yeah, it's I mean, it's primarily logistics, and then yeah, you know, of of actual what is going to happen. You know, it's pretty much a given. They contact us, and we're like, all right we're going to start the service plan, you know? Um, so yeah, it's definitely logistics from that end. We're getting a lot of energy intensive uh, inquiries from the state, but that's more related to um, 
you know, EV, electric vehicle, battery manufacturer, just like everyone else. I mean, that's the hot topic right now, you know. And we have some very well-positioned sites, like in the Rickenbacker area, that are directly interconnected to transmission. And so we have a very hot site that probably gets hit, you know, one or two, one or two times a month over the last couple of years. And I know it's a matter, it's not a matter, it's going to happen. You know, there's just, but yeah, logistics is definitely kind of our bread and butter right now. Just trying to keep up with that. We're yeah. trying to, you know, talk with the, the property owners, developers, the local economic development organizations to understand, you know, we do have a couple sites up there that are positioned to serve very large energy intensive loads. And it's like, could you just hold off? for a little bit with <laughs> warehouses you know we've got we got something good here if you could just wait you know would you rather parcel this out or into warehouses or do you want to wait up you know on like a gm or an lg or a honda whatever so that's yeah, been our the, biggest challenge it's been really interesting to see the amount of large capital investment projects that have occurred in the last 12 months uh, I, I think that kind of, I don't know if it took people by surprise, but it was still shocking to see how many, I, I mean, it seems like, you know, every week for a while there, it was a billion here, 2 billion there. Oh, it's crazy. And yeah. then you see the 192 billion down in Taylor, Texas, uh, you know, with yeah. that announcement down there. I mean, that's just insane. That's uh, stupid. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Okay, we're going to hold right there for just a second while we take a break and hear from one of our sponsors on the next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. opinion lowest is the best buildings and sites database on the market one of the reasons i think that is it gives you nationwide exposure so i used to be the economic developer in paducah kentucky and i made a terrible mistake i only put my buildings and sites on the kentucky economic development buildings and sites database well paducah bordered illinois and was within 30 or so miles of missouri indiana and tennessee so what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database. Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. I was talking to an economic developer. Uh, I don't want to say who it was. I was talking to an economic developer. He's about 45 minutes north and uh, this past week. And, and you know, everybody around there, obviously, uh, that that's a big, big project. And um, everybody uh, who is trying to get prepared for the impacts uh, up to an hour away from that site. And they ought to be uh, trying to get prepared for those impacts. Just like, you know, the communities around the Intel site uh, need to be getting ready for that impact. Oh, man, it, it, it's crazy. Yeah, homes just being bought up, you know. It, it's so speaking gonna... of housing, are you all seeing uh, any housing issues in any of your communities right now? Or are your developers actually 
uh, putting those up still pretty quickly. All right. Well, I know I'm live on a podcast and I'm going to say, don't quote me on this, but it's some outlandish number like this. I'm going to throw it out. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, it's, it's I, I don't remember exactly, but it, from what I understood and remember, we're underbuilding in the greater Columbus area to meet our housing needs over the next, you know, 10 years by like 300,000 homes a year. You heard it here first, folks, from Kyle Heaven himself. <laughs> I'm t- I swear, it's something. It, honestly, it's not surprising. I mean, you think the, about it, projected growth, uh, normal projected growth. So a lot of times projected growth is based off census data. And census data lags behind anyway. And then you start having big announcements. And that just increases the percentages of projected uh, population growth. And it wouldn't surprise me a bit if it's something like that. Yeah, it, it's it's something stupid. And, yeah, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I know we have a lot of growth and development going on, but that, that's all based off numbers of what they're projecting Columbus to be at population-wise by, like, 2030, you know, and that's basically double the population what it is now, you know. And, I mean, sure, that – will can likely happen but it's kind of one of those i'll believe it when i see it uh but i will tell you i mean it, it's kind of interesting living up in this area because you know when you start talking the recession you know recession looming possibly all that but it, this area you know is almost recession proof because of that growth and the jobs announced and people that are going to have to move here it i no one up here feels that kind of we're not alarmed if, if that makes sense i don't know it's just yeah it does and um you know whether it's a columbus ohio uh or uh you know bismarck north dakota um it doesn't really matter the community or, or a small community in alabama you know that we're working with all of them are having are facing housing issues right now. Uh, yeah, of houses being built, and you know I think some of that is uh, you know from the coasts. There's a lot of people uh, who are moving off the coast. You know the hmm. northeast and the west coast. Uh, you know even uh, in rural communities, and and this is funny too because I always ask this question every rural economic developer I talk to. I ask them, are they seeing an influx? You know, even if it's you know five ten people. Are they seeing an influx of people from California, New York, and Canada? It seems like those three areas, uh, people are moving into, you know, the interior of the country, the southeast, the Midwest primarily, uh, and Texas. Hmm. So, Is this the, uh, I mean, is, is that obviously probably the answer I know, but attributed to some remote working flexibility and moving to somewhere that you actually want to live i started asking around in a couple of communities uh you know if i'd run into someone if if i you know if i was passing through a rural town or even in the rural town that i live in uh, if i run into someone who has an accent that you know sounds like they're from new york or canada or or wherever else uh i i ask them you know uh what brought you here and you know they wanted to a place that, you know, wasn't so densely populated. They, they wanted to uh, pay less in taxes. They were, and they work remotely now. 
And so they can live wherever they want. And, you know, and it's funny too, you know, in some of the instances I'm seeing people are looking for more property so that they can just have a garden uh, and some chickens and some goats or whatever. (laughs) And it's it's just really interesting, the dynamic shift that's kind of occurred in the mindset of the country uh, post COVID, you know, and and I think a lot of it's driven by the pandemic and now the ability to, you know, work remotely. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. And that, uh, that goes into the whole next you want to talk about a whole nother subject to discuss this <laughs> that goes into uh you know rural america uh what electric cooperatives why they exist you know when they were formed in most in 1936 after the rea act and you know bringing electricity to areas that you know the investor owns didn't want to serve because it wasn't it didn't make sense you know per consumer per mile and uh you know a lot of them are getting into broadband right now or they're at least dipping their toes in and so that to your point is going to continue to drive that conversation yeah and you combine that with a lot of the federal dollars too that are that are out there now it's and stupid for stupid. millions of dollars. yeah it is it's an it's a massive amount of funding that's out there uh so if you're in a community and you haven't put a plan together because you know to get those dollars you have to have a plan i mean you really have to have it at least engineered and and right aways and stuff figured out but you can get that you can grab that funding and start you know rolling fiber and broadband out yeah we uh we just announced ourselves we're we're getting in the broad game business broadband business so um We'll see how that goes, but we don't know we're going to be, you know, an ISP, middle mile, what we're going to be, but we know we're going to be part of the solution. And uh, when you're in 24 counties of 88 in Ohio and some very rough terrain in eastern Ohio, you know, you're getting into Appalachia's there. It's uh, there's a lot to still process, but uh, co-ops are... I have to correct you on the pronunciation. It's Appalachia. Appalachia. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. I left, you know, I left Kentucky four years ago and I forgot that. <laughs> it's okay. Just think if you, if you pronounce it Appalachia, somebody's going to throw an Appalachia. There you go. Appalachia. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really yeah. cool project going on. Um, a former, um, um, CEO in the coal industry has taken some, um, reclaimed mine land and is growing um, the Honeycrisp apples uh, on that reclaimed mine site and putting a, a an apple crop together uh, and sort of almost putting into place a sharecropping opportunity for people, uh, you know, in and around the region who want to grow. The, if they have 10 acres, they can grow some of that. They'll give them the plants to grow and then buy the, the crop from them. And so... Hmm. Uh, it's kind of a neat little thing. It's a niche little, you know, ag pro- uh, project uh, that that they're working on. But, you know, I think people are being a little more inventive with with land as well uh, in rural areas. You know, trying to yeah. do what they can to to have something that's being produced. You know, because uh, you know, especially with you know, if you have terrain issues, you you don't have a whole lot of uh, agriculture going on anyway. And so, being able to utilize that land for that, I think, is pretty cool. Yeah, I've I've kind of loosely followed my man jonathan webb in uh eastern ohio or eastern kentucky not ohio um what's his company 
is it App Harvest? Is that what yeah, it's called? App Harvest, that's right. Mm-hmm. Seems like, you know, he got that off the ground doing well. Um, was that was that in your one east at the time? Is that in your territory? Or Yeah, they were looking at uh, a lot of sites uh, and still are. I mean, you know, they have growth plans that are that are uh, like everything else, a little insane. If you think about the, the amount of uh, steel and glass <laughs> that have to go in those facilities. Um, yeah. I think that uh, they've got two going up right now, one in Somerset, one in Berea. Uh, but, you know, originally they had a plan for 12 facilities. And, and you know, in West Virginia, I think they were looking maybe in Southeast Ohio as well uh, at some yeah. possibilities for, you know, that whole ag tech program. And, uh, you know, that's that's sort of been a buzzword for a few states uh, as of late is uh, focusing on the ag tech industry. Yeah. Are you seeing, um, you know, up in your area, you know, what is what is the feeling from a, a standpoint of labor availability? You know, that's another thing that's a hot button issue right now. And and I don't know if that's something you all even hear about much as, as a power company, but uh, from, you know, manufacturers or, or distribution. Well, I mean, I think everyone right now is kind of impacted with that uh, across the board. I mean, we see it in our industry. Uh, we joke about it, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, even when we're submitting, you know, 4,000 job RFIs uh, through the state, you know, not to put it, you know, not to put us on blast or anything, but it's, it's just kind of like, yeah, where are these people coming from? And, you know, I mean, we can't even, we're, we're always battling or searching uh for you know our skilled trade positions we have a, a tough time right now trying to fill those uh me personally as well in all my departments and yeah i intel even is what an awesome you know announcement uh what's gonna happen from there like it's incredible as far as we know, but finding all of those skill, I mean, it's going to require people moving here again. And, you know, I don't know. I, it, I'm kind of babbling, but it's just kind of, it's kind of hard to say what's going to happen with all of that. I mean, I think everyone's just kind of waiting to see how that is going to basically define you know, our whole Midwest region because. Yeah. Oh, well, not just that one, all these large announcements. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, there, there's so many and it's like, that's incredible. We're, we're, we're landing 400 jobs here, 700 there, you know, a hundred there and then 4,000 at Intel, whatever it is. And it's just like, it's great. And, but like, yeah, where is this coming from? <laughs> I mean, well, know. It's, it's, you know, some of it's reshoring, you know, and you think about the semiconductors, the chips and, and all those materials and end products that, you know, were overseas. And, you know, again, this is all post pandemic recovery and, and ensuring supply chain uh, continuation. If something like that were to ever occur again and uh, everybody realized that, you know, look, we've uh, we spread ourselves a little too thin, you know, putting everything in one place versus another and not having materials. Uh, to serve, you know, the economy, essentially. Um, 
And so that's what you're seeing is, is not, I don't even know how to call it reshoring. It's, it's more of a, it's more of a strategy to ensure uh, consistent supply chain because, you know, we just talked about it. We, we literally just said that there's supply chain issues and, you know, new construction and the energy sector. And, you know, we're still dealing with all of those problems. And, um, yeah, I think that the, the U- United States is going to continue to see growth, you know, simply because of necessity uh, for those. Right. So where would you say that Ohio competes the most from a, from a surrounding state standpoint, when you are working on a project, who does Ohio compete with the most on projects you think? Mm, that's a great question. Um, and you may not see it as much, you know, on the power side. Yeah, I don't I have some from, assumptions on it, but I mean, yeah, you know, I'm always more involved with the uh, energy intensive loads, you know, that. So with those, I mean, we're always we're always com- we're always competing with the southern states, with the TVA serve states, um, with the incentives they're able to offer. What about power south? Uh, you know, do you all ever have to compete against uh, you know southern companies or uh, some of those other uh, energy companies? Who did you Who did you say? Southern companies like Georgia Power, Alabama. Oh Texas. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is like, yeah, definitely. Most of the southern companies. I mean, it, it's definitely not any northeast. I mean, we're we're kind of the gateway to, you know competitive electric rates as you work your way from the northeast down to the midwest we're kind of the gateway to that area uh and then you work your way south obviously you know there's competitive rates and so i think we're always competing kind of south of the mason dixon i'll call it (laughs) (laughs) kentucky west virginia virginia tennessee uh, you know all those yeah you're seeing but not much not so much in pennsylvania uh, that's i guess that's kind of what my my curiosity right was. no i no definitely not i mean it's always south of us i mean michigan no offense to michigan they're it's just kind of a wreck and uh so that's north and then yeah i mean everything south we got some us. michigan folks listening to the podcast i'm gonna get letters <laughs> yeah i know it's fine they can call me you know <laughs> it is a wreck so you know, I'll I'll give them uh, co-op CEO's name up there, and they can call him. You know, <laughs> Chris what O'Neill. About, Just call about, Chris O'Neill. There you go. What about Indiana? Do you see much competition with Indiana being right next door? We do a little bit. Uh, yeah, especially Southern Indiana. Yeah, we see a little bit of competition. Uh, nothing that I, I feel our area, Indiana. Um, you know, Kentucky, all in the kind of kind of the same boat. Yeah, we've got RFIs out in Indiana right now, so I was curious. Um, as a matter of fact, we've got RFIs in uh, uh, from site selection projects in Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Ohio, um, Indiana, um, uh, Alabama, and Mississippi. And so, um, you know, it's interesting from this side of it to see the responses and you know how communities are positioning themselves um, to show their value proposition and, and really sell their, their communities, um, you know, in the current atmosphere that we're in. And um, I I think 
good economic developers and in rural communities have a really great opportunity right now to impact you know their towns um, because of the fact that companies Absolutely. are looking at smaller markets and if you have prepared sites uh, if you have a good message uh, if you're aggressive and selling your communities right now i think with this backfill of the supply chain and, and even with the ev oems that are happening that supply chain is going to fill in between those i think all that put together gives you know rural areas big opportunities um and it's happening you know it's happening around tennessee you know we've got a lot of communities in tennessee talking to us about the impact of you know ford blue oval facility in stanton as well that's one we haven't mentioned to, you know in our talk that's a huge huge project you know that's going to impact all of west tennessee and we'll be right back Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Executive Search Spotlight. This week, we're going to look at Garrett County, Maryland, who is looking for a community development director. This is a county position going to pay up to $110,000, so very well paying for this area of the country. For those of you who are not familiar with Garrett County, it is located just about 30 to 45 minutes away from Morgantown, West Virginia, about two hours from Pittsburgh, as well as two hours from the D.C., Baltimore metro area. And this area is beaming with quality of life. There is beautiful lakes, hiking trails, there's skiing in the winter, just a gorgeous area of the country. If you would like more information about this county position, please visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Garrett County. We hope you apply. No, absolutely. And I, I can't stress enough on how important it is especially from the rural communities that, you know, are trying to check the boxes and uh, to get with their local utilities to make sure, you know, with capacity constraints, um, you know, any potential upgrades they need, you know, if there's grants available or, or any kind of site assistance they can, they can get ahead of it, it. It's huge because, you know, the last thing you want is to have your, you know, water, gas, the site's great, it's perfect, and then it's going to cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get electric to the site, you know. And so as you're developing those sites, you you really need to engage your all of your utility partners, and you know that, you know, but it, it's it's very important. I mean, when you're developing a site that you understand all every aspect of the development of it. Yeah, I agree. We recently started doing uh, site feasibility uh, assessments for communities, and uh, we have uh, communities in three different states that are working with us on those right now. And the whole purpose of that is exactly what you just said. It's it's predetermining if you're looking at multiple pieces of property. Uh, that that program is predetermining which one of those is going to be the highest and best use of funds based on the ability to get it 100% marketable and ready for industry. So, and, and it takes into account everything that uh, you would be uh, judged uh, from a site selection standpoint. And so, to me, communities who are taking the initiative to continue to develop product uh, as well, because what I think is going to happen, you, we talked about recession earlier, we're already kind of slipping into recession now. Uh, and some feel like we've been in the recession already for, for a little bit. Yeah, uh, we'll and, see. But, but a lot of folks feel like that's going to hit uh, fourth quarter, first quarter next year. But like you said earlier, with the amount of projects that have been announced and construction to be commenced, 
that's going to pour a lot of work and dollars into the economy uh, from those construction projects. And what I think is going to happen in about 18 months, you're going to see full throttle again with projects, uh, site location occurring, and communities who are taking the initiative now to start developing property and getting that ready in the next 12 to 18 months uh, are going to be in a better position. And, and what I don't want to see happen is communities who, who pull back. You know, the, if the recession, right. you know, occurs and, and everybody just kind of said, well, let's hold for a minute here and see what happens. I think the communities who are going to be brave and, and, and you know, tolerate a little risk and go forth uh, to conquer by developing property uh, are going to be the ones who are going to win first uh, when we come out of the recession. Yeah, absolutely. So um, before we wrap up, I wanted to uh, tell you, I had a little reminder this week. I taught at the basic economic development course and uh, there was someone in uh, the class who had worked <laughs> with Todd Denham. Oh gosh, man. Uh, rest, rest in, in peace. peace. Yep. Rest in peace, Todd Denham. Uh, he was uh, economic developer. Todd, Todd was the man. <laughs> I mean, when you, walked into a conference you knew where todd was and you wanted to go talk to him yeah uh, absolutely he was he was just full of life and uh made everybody laugh made everybody feel warm around him and um he this, this person who was in the in the course um talked about todd and, and i said well it's funny you know that you worked for todd because uh, I have a lot of stories about Todd and, and I mentioned the one where we were at the karaoke uh, uh, bar and Todd put on that big fur coat and laid across the pool table. <laughs> and she said, Oh my gosh, I've heard that story a hundred times. You were there. I said, yes, I was there. <laughs> and then Look. Uh, last year I played in the, um, the uh, Memorial golf scramble that happens every year. And uh, I had actually won it the year before and I'm very competitive. I don't like to lose. Yeah, well, I no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about you. <laughs> well, I put another strong team in. Honestly, and, uh, if you had hair, I thought it would be red. Mm, really? You thought I'd be a soulless ginger? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I would won the year prior in that golf scramble. I wanted to win it again and uh, put another, you know, ace team together. We shot 19 under. I'm rolling back to the clubhouse. I've got DJ Khaled on my speaker just blasting. All I do is win, 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 because I, <laughs> I just felt like we won. I knew that I had won the long putt competition. Uh, I knew that my A player had won the long drive competition, and we did, by the way. We, we both won those. Of course. Uh, and yeah. we shot 19 under, and I get to the clubhouse, and someone comes up to me and says, what'd you shoot? I said, 1900. They said, you got beat by one stroke. And I started just stomping the ground. Snapping your club. Probably cussing a little bit. And I went in the clubhouse to find out who beat me. And it was Todd Denham. <laughs> yeah. He was probably laying in his fur coat on the table. <laughs> Todd was a good golfer. He put a good team together. I did not know that about Todd. I did yes, not know was, that he was yeah, good at he's golf. Good, he's a good golfer and, and obviously a fun dude and, and had some great guy. And awesome, always dressed to impress on the court. Oh my god! And um, <laughs> and not just at the course at conferences. And so you know, when I found out he won, I was happy uh, that it was him. Anybody else, I would have continued to be mad. But because it right. was Todd, I was totally. You're fine. just kind of like, well, I mean, it is the coolest person here today, so <laughs> he he could win. That's fine. 
Well, I'm I'm glad that was his last one, and I'm glad yeah. that uh, that he got that uh, championship uh, going out. So he was That's awesome. How are the conferences in Ohio? I haven't been to an Ohio conference yet. Well, man, we got to get you up here. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't been to one since 2019 because of COVID, COVID and everything yeah. else. But uh, I will say, Chuck, you know, I know we're live on a podcast and I'll keep it uh, PG, but it's not as fun as KAD, mainly because, you know, their version of KAD is OEDA, um, Ohio Economic Developers Association. And uh, it's, you know, 15 miles from the house. So I don't have an excuse to... Enjoy I'll, libations late I'll into say, the night. That's what you're yeah, going to say. Yeah, I'll say quotations network at the end of the night and uh, and stay somewhere and get away. So, you know, that was always probably the the one of the fun parts. And uh, I, I miss that. I miss hanging out with all you guys. And uh, it's always fun catching up. But, yeah, it's not it's not the same. But they have a great conference. They do for economic developers. And uh, – but yeah, it's just right down the street, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, well, I understand that, and uh, you know, nothing can be quite as fun as the things that that, that we've done um, in the past. But I'll tell you, um, one thing that I would uh, love to do is uh, get out there and and uh, speak at more conferences. Uh, and you know, obviously, our our schedules just can get packed full quick, and so I've been uh -huh. trying to put the word out to to folks um you know in, in several states just let them know hey if you're looking for someone to come and speak on site selection or executive search uh or even you know well, we'll get you some in of those things you know hit us up but you got to hit us up early uh because we we've, we've got to plan those things out far in advance with as busy as yeah. we are you know we're all over we're, we're all over the country right now we've got clients from um north dakota down through kansas and texas and then back east all the way to uh, florida and up through uh the northern new york area so it's uh we're all over the place right now well do you know the dates of oeda we'll get you in there man i do not know them all right i'll get you i'll get you possibility uh you know shoot me the dates and uh we'll see if we can yeah. get something out well look man i appreciate you kyle joining me on the podcast it's always fun to catch up and uh you know folks out there i hope you enjoyed tonight's uh, episode you'll be hopefully listening to it during the day we recorded it at night uh, and we'll catch you next time on the next move group we are jobs podcast